0: throw shame out of the window. If you look silly, ah, embrace it.
1: Hi there. This is Razzle and you're listening to The Stunner. Whenever there's a locally produced musical, which choreography I happen to love, the name PJ Revolida would, more often than not, be attached to it. Aside from being a choreographer, he's also built a reputation as a beloved dance mentor to theater actors and performers. Well, we're very lucky because he's here today to share the lessons he himself learned not just about dance but dance in a time of a worldwide pandemic.
0: The nice thing about struggle is that it's always a seed for art because you really are forced to think out of the box and to to be ingenious and resourceful. And I'm really happy that Galau in this span of time has laboratoried several ideas and things like that. We were even able to make one dance video. We'll premiere that soon. Um, we've created a recital with choreography with our students who've grown in this time. And that's what we love. We, we didn't expect the, the, the intensives to grow this much. We, we were just eager to share, and that's what's nice about it, that this pandemic is not stopping us from sharing. And I think that's the most important lesson I've learned, that regardless of what's happening, you can still do things, and you just have to be ingenious and creative, and people will respond to it. The problem is we're always afraid. It's really hard to fight fear. That's, that's a given. Mm-hmm. So it's great that there's a community of people that are fighting it together. And that's what I love about the community. We're all growing from each other. Uh, another learning from the pandemic, and this is a personal learning now, is that um, we're developing new senses with the pandemic because we're so used in the art in the art scene or even outside that most work is... Uh, Human is done with human interaction or tactile uh, experiences. So you have to be there to be able to create things. So now we're developing new senses of awareness of how to communicate, like Zoom has taught us and all of the other platforms has taught us how to talk when we have the space to talk and how to listen when somebody else is going to talk, which is something we don't do in real life. You really have to be aware of that. Aside from that, people have to be more articulate, And this is something that we did not need as much without the pandemic. So now a lot of my uh, instructions have to be clear. And oftentimes we're unclear before, the right? So now it's like there's clarity. There's this desire to be clear so that other people will understand you. Um, Aside from that, my spatial awareness, how to move in a small space artistically, like small spaces are like so constricting and once in a while it's refreshing but it's the it's the norm now so how do you move in a small space when as a dancer one of my first lessons was how to use the space available so i had to move big think ccp main theater dancing for two thousand people in the audience now you're just in a small room i cannot even jump (laughs) so how do you move big how do you move small how do you how do you change levels or directions given this parameter so that's another sense that's developing in me as an artist among other things and daming daming learnings there's there's one learning that i think is also relevant now i learned that we have to show dissent when it's necessary because as filipinos we're very compliant with what's happening okay lang yan things are just happening but I've also learned that dissent is necessary because we have to be able to articulate what we want from society and what we want our society to achieve as a community. And whether you win or not, that's okay. But to allow space for dissent is necessary. It's so important and vital for a society to survive and that politics cannot be avoided. You know, that's, that's something I'm learning.
1: Is this accurate? You were already in your 20s when you started dancing? Yes.
0: I started dancing after university. Pa.
1: But have you always had an interest in it? What made that shift? Because I saw your background. It's like IT, right? Your job was IT and then tourism.
0: Yes. I, I, I graduated tourism sa UP Diliman. And I was very active with the marketing organizations in UP. So I was geared for a marketing career. So I did take a job in the IT industry, for marketing. But I only lasted a day and an hour.
1: <laughs> right. But why dancing? When did that interest start?
0: Uh, I'll have to say I consider myself an accidental dancer or artist even because I took a break after i quit the job I, I knew i couldn't take the office i was really counting the hours and on the second day i was already looking forward to my lunch break and it was only 8:30 a.m. and every minute i'd be like sanama lunch break na i'm like if if this is like this every day then i quit so, so i went to the mall and then i saw a poster for trumpet's play shop and i'm like you know what maybe i take a break and i take a workshop so I called my dad on the cell phone and said, Dad, is it okay if I don't work for a while? (laughs) And then he said, Oh, you can do that. Your brother did that also. So might as well you do it also. Give you a year. I'll support you. And then after, you can start looking for a job. So I said, okay. So I took a workshop. And I liked the workshop. And I continued to do more workshops. And then I got into this sing and dance workshop with James LaFortesa. So I credit him for getting me into dance. It was with Sweet Plantada from the company. She was teaching the singing side. James was, singing the, was teaching the dancing. Um, he asked me one day how old I was. And I said I was turning 21. And he's like, uh, do you want to dance? Yes. And <laughs> So he invited me to, to go to Steps. To, to interview and audition for a scholarship. She's eh, audition, but sabi niya, you know what, just interview. So I was really fortunate to meet, meet Sofia Zabella Elizalde, who had steps. And she's like, why do you want to dance? I want to become a musical theater actor. And to do that, I needed to sing, dance, and act. So she said, okay, we'll take you in the scholarship. Little did I know that the scholarship involved not just jazz classes, jazz jazz dance, it also involved music, um, sorry, it also involved ballet and modern dance. I was required to take those classes. I'm like, oh, for the sake of the scholarship, why not? I'll just, I'll do the requirement and I'll just try my best. Little did I know three years later I would be moving to c c p and eventually joining ballet Philippines, so that was how I transitioned into becoming a dancer so it that was really interesting while I was at steps, it was like always eye opening. I started enjoying my time in the studio and I became hungry for the for technique and for chances to dance, so my required classes were six classes. A week, but I would be at the studio at least uh, two more times over, taking as much as 11 to 12 classes a week because I wanted to really grow as a dancer. That was uh, while I was doing my acting career, and thank God, Repertory Philippines at that time was right beside steps. So after rehearsals at Repertory, I would just cross into the next studio right beside. So that was a really beautiful time for me. Three years, yon. three years. And then I went to CCP and then eventually Bali, Philippines and then elsewhere.
1: Now you founded um, Galau. what's the complete name? Galaw Company, Dance Theatre? Galaw.co,
0: Galau.co, Galau.co Dance
1: Theatre. Dance yes. Theatre. So what, what, um, what made you want to start? Is this only you or is this a project by a team or...?
0: Well, it started first as me because I've been doing, I've been members of several companies already and eventually I started a freelance career and while I was freelancing, all the projects that came to me had already concepts that were already constructed. So I came in to implement constructs and ideas of other people. Of course, they were collaborative in the sense that I could contribute to the end product, but... I really wanted to create work that started from my heart. So in 2019, I decided to do a solo show with the things that I wanted to do. And from there, I decided to create an intensive to share my work, my aesthetic, and my skill sets to other performers who want to do it as well. And the nice thing about Calao.co is it grew organically. It's like I'm the first You know, there's so many plantitos and plantitas now. I'm the first, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the first propagation. I'm the first propagation. (laughs) And my, my first show was a solo. My first show, my first intensive was just me. So it was like the first leaf. And then eventually it drew people to the project and to the ideals and the vision. So eventually I, two members joined. That was Joni and Jordan They were the first two, and we created uh, a beautiful twenty-minute padedu, very long for two people, very taxing, emotionally invested, and physically demanding padedu over the course of four months. And when we premiered that, while we were creating that, more people got drawn to the to the energy, to the ideal. And that's how we've grown. We've grown organically. Three members joined again after. That was Chef Flores and Julio Lafortesa and John Paul Ortenero. And then eventually, Abby Manoto and Luis Manz- uh, Marcelo also start joined. So we're now eight people. And as of today, because of the pandemic, we've met new people. And I'm introducing three apprentices this week into the company. Aside from scholars, yes.
1: Is there a specific, or what kind of dance do you do? Do you have a specific genre that you focus on? Can can you talk more about that? What kind of dancing that goes on in Galau?
0: (laughs) Okay, the thing about Galau is that we don't espouse one style of dancing. Um, That's why we call it Galau.co dance theater is that we, we meld, Uh, dance aesthetics and theater aesthetics to be able to tell a story so it doesn't matter what style so long as it tells the story but we can really say that we're primarily more contemporary in approach Uh, but we do train classically because uh, I believe that in order to break rules you have to understand the classical form and I really enjoy that 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 growth from something that's so structured into something that develops into its own being. That's how we create work actually with Galau. It's very organic. It's not like step one, step two, step three. You have a piece. Our our steps are all over the place, and it's it's really a laboratory. The creation process, and until you find things that work. So, so that that's where we are. Even. The first Pandedum was an abstract piece. We started with just abstract studies until it developed its own storyline, which became a real story, which is still open to interpretation. Our second uh, piece is inputs from the audience and every time it's different. Our third piece, which is my last uh, work with Galau.co, is based on Franz Kafka's uh, The Metamorphosis. But we really took it outside of the box and gave it a different perspective that came from personal experiences, similar to Grigor. So it's not really the story of Grigor, It's the story of the Grigor in everyone, the Grigor Samsa. So this is where we're taking things from. And we really want to challenge the way we think and not go with the mold and, and look for ways to create. We can't say we're perfect. But we love to create. So if you ask us what our style is, it's organic. That's that's what our style is. And it we involve theater, we involve sound sense, we involve music. We actually hope to be able to go into the other senses in the future, even sound and taste and smell. So... So we don't know yet where we'll go. I mean, I wish we had all the budget to be able to experiment all the time. <laughs> but if you ask us about style, it's organic. But we train using, using classical forms and an open mind.
1: How about when it comes to the participants? Is it only for serious performers or can someone who's just, who just wants to test the waters, can they join? Who is it for?
0: Well, i've 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 been watching how Galau has grown, and after all the cycles we've done in the pandemic, I can clearly see that the people we attract are people that are hungry for something that's uh, authentic and sincere. So if there's one thing we try to be as artists in Galau is that we're authentic and sincere about our work and our, as, uh, our ethics. Um, even if we're not perfect, we'll be, we'll be honest about our imperfections. And we've also sort of narrowed down the profile of our students. They're people that aspired to create or to dance or to sing or to act, never had the chance or thought they could never do it. And then they find this group that's like, you know what? Just do it. <laughs> Just do it without reservation, without shame, without uh, panic, you know, and breathing through it and letting it happen. And I think that's where we are now, like what Kalao stands for to people in the industry and the people that watch us. We're just people that do, we just keep doing, and we hope that we continue to create. The hard part now is how to create, given the, uh, the limitations of the pandemic. But it's always on the back of our head. So for now, we've concentrated on sharing, sharing our, our, our artistic uh, capabilities. So hopefully, yeah, we can create something more.
1: When we say art, we have this concept of art being immortal, right? Or, or ha- have, it has some aspiration or capability for some measure of longevity, right? With dance, with choreography, how do you preserve it and pass it on?
0: Well, for choreography, the most obvious way of uh, documenting is through video. And, but video has only been theirs in the last... 50 years or, I mean, for dance, I mean, there are videos as early as the early 1900s of, I mean, early 1900s playing videos. But some of mga videos from the days of old, pa. I, don't rem- I don't know what years. But there's also notation for dance. There's two kinds of notation. There's Laba notation and danesh. That's, that's learned by people in university. And it's been used. Um, there are very few people who use it. So it's, it's hard to make that the barometer for documenting dance, but it is possible. Now, the most uh, prevalent the way of passing on dance is not through video. It's actually through actual sharing. So it's people passing on a tradition, but the most, uh, famous traditions is from Russia and one of the most famous choreographers is Marius Petipa and his work lives on until now he's like the Shakespeare of dance and almost all the classical ballets if you ask who choreographed it it's like nowadays you're going to say say for example I did it it's P.J. Rebulida after Marius Petipa because he was the barometer for classical ballet so it's passed on by tradition from teacher to student then the student becomes a teacher and passes it on to the next student. So it's a tradition that's passed on down. And I went into the companies from Bali Philippines to PBT to BM to abroad. It's also how they pass on choreography. So like if I have to learn something new, like, I had to learn Tadeong with Ballet Philippines. Then Denise Arreas came back to teach it. She was the main choreographer. When she wasn't there, the people that danced it for her were the ones uh, teaching us the choreography, uh, aside from video. So it's really important to document work now. So at least now it's more accessible because we have phones, tablets, and laptops. So, but the best way to translate is through human translation. So... You can watch on the video, the hand of the dancer goes this way. So you can copy it, right? But the dancer who dances it will, will come to you and say, you're not just putting up your hand there. You're putting up your hand there because you're reaching for the person you love. So why are you just putting up your hand? Where's your love? So that's what you need. That's the best way to, to transpose choreography from one generation to another. It's really through that that experiential knowledge that dance is passed on
1: when it comes to that are you happy with our current dance um, what do you call it yeah dance now this, this status of dance now in, in the Philippines dance education
0: and... well it's hard to say happy <laughs> because <laughs> there's this The dance is really experiential and it's about moving bodies so there's, there's a thrill to seeing a body move and breathe. It's like seeing a picture of the beach. It's nice to see the picture of the beach, but when you're at the beach, it's different. So I can't say I'm happy because we're not at the beach as dancers, but I'm also happy because there are people that have stopped dancing because it's hard. And there are some people that continue dancing, even if it's hard. So I'm really happy because people are really realizing if they want to dance or not. And that's what life is about, about learning what your purpose in life is, what will make you happy. So that's what this pandemic is bringing about. So me, I almost gave up dancing because I needed to, to pay my bills. So I was ready to take on a career as an English tutor or teacher online And I'm just happy that the intensives paid off because I kept at it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it paid off that that work. But that was born out of my passion. And the passion brought out those, those fruits. And I'm seeing the same for other people. Those that kept doing it out of passion, even if it was hard, now they're reaping the benefits of the hard work that they put in at the beginning of the pandemic. People like Rosa Prodenchado from Lekha PH or Mia Cabalfin who, who I'm friends with and we recently did an online show together with the uh, uh, director of Air Dance as well, Nicole Primero, because we kept working at it. And then the rewards keep coming. There are those that stopped because it was hard and now they're enjoying other things. So I'm not saying that they're wrong or they're right. I'm just saying that we have to find what makes us happy or what makes us survive and do that. So this is why I'm happy. Because it, people are recognizing where they can be, where they should be, and where they want to be.
1: If someone wants to learn to dance or learn how to appreciate dance better, what's a good place to start? Where's a good place to start?
0: It's hard because art is very subjective, and there are many styles of art. So my, my idea is they should expose themselves until they find what they like. It's almost like getting a book, you look for you read a book, you don't like this book, but it might be a bestseller, but you read a different book, and you like that book. It's the same for dance. So the only way to 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 appreciate dance is similar to a book. you have to open the book and start reading. So if you want to appreciate dance. You go to shows, there are online shows. You watch classical ballet. Everything's available from Russia to New York to London to Manila. You can try contemporary dance, but shave a company from Israel, Akram Khan, Sidi Larbi. You check them out and then you're like, okay, this is not for me. That's for me. That's how you find out. You have to open the book. If you want to learn how to dance, take a trial class in each school Uh, My belief is one teacher will not work for all students. Mm -hmm. So as a student, you find for the teacher that matches, one, your personality, two, understands your physique and your requirements, and understands your goals. So if your goals are aligned with the teacher, then it's easy to be in that class. If your goals are not aligned with the teacher, then... That's not your class. So if you want a hobby class, you go to this teacher. If you want a teacher that will push you so that you can go to the next level, then you go to this other teacher. So it's it, just, just taking one ballet class and saying, I didn't like it. It's so boring. Mm, right,
1: right.
0: Girl, you're missing out on your life.
1: <laughs> Who's that teacher for you or mentor?
0: Oh my gosh, I have so many mentors. <laughs> There's not one mentor. Uh, it's so hard to isolate mentors because each person has different things to give. And I've had the pleasure of ho- having so many mentors, and I'm finding new mentors now. Like, I'm, I have a new mentor now that's teaching me how to just be a leader because that's a different aspect of dance, a dance career. And then I'm finding myself in leadership positions. So I'm really happy that there's someone mentoring me and actually offering advice. I've had teachers on artistry. One of my favorite mentors was Lisa Lafortesa, who passed away. She's the wife of James Lafortesa. And she mentored me on musicality and understanding character. I remember I would be watching from outside the studio at Steps, and she came behind me. She's like, oh, they're using 3-4 music now. PJ, do you understand 3-4? I said, no, I don't really. So she took me aside. She put me down. She pulled me and she sat down and gave me a music theory class that afternoon out of the blue. And until now, I'm really really thankful because I can understand music better. Uh, Aside from that, she, she knew I was playing a character. And this was even before I was a dancer. I was not even a dancer yet. She was like, PJ, you're playing this role, right? Here, here's an essay on... Romeo and Juliet, here's an essay on Swan Lake, you're playing Rothbard, read this essay. And it wasn't even about Rothbard, that essay was about understanding of Swan Lake and the storylines and characters, and it gave me depth to my performances. So if anything, I'm not the best dancer, really. Like, there's so many people better than me, especially since I started late. So what, what, what aces can I offer? Like if you're playing cards, you have to offer an ace. What ace can I offer? I offer the depth of character and understanding of a role and a hardworking person. And that's where I was. And I think that helped me move forward because that gave me my edge. So I'm really grateful to Teacher Lisselle, who's one of my best mentors.
1: Do you have a favorite dancer right now or a favorite kind of routine that you do or dance? or What are you into right now? <laughs>
0: What am I into? I'm into. <laughs> I just learned how to take care of pants. <laughs> That's what I'm into. Now. <laughs> <I> guess, <okay. laughs> and what I'm learning is that um, I can be overdoting and it's it's the same for me as a choreographer as well, and as a director and as a teacher, I can be very overdoting and I'm learning now how to let people thrive just like animals <laughs> animals just like bats, <laughs> although I do think sometimes we're animals <laughs> as human beings, and we have to thrive that's the biggest lesson I've learned, and how to Let people thrive is always different from one person to the other. And it requires understanding, discernment, compassion, patience. And that's what I'm into now, that understanding of how people thrive. And yeah, I love animal movements. I want to learn animal flow. Some of my choreographies are very animal-like. So if anything, that might be my next uh, thing to get into animal flow. But I'm also learning how I'm, I want to start free diving, also. So, and dami kong gustong gawen. But it's not about dance, huh? That's the interesting thing. When I, I question myself, like, why shouldn't I be more interested in other choreographers or other dancers? I'm more interested in other things about plants, life, living, and water, and everything. And I think that fuels my art. And to copy others because they're doing something for me is a cop out. I think it's a good way to start. It's a good starting point. But for anyone who wants to start maturing as an artist, my advice is to look at life and use what you have in your life in your art. That's the best. That's your best fuel. Yeah, you can take inspiration from others who are charting the same course as you, but the best art is when you take from what you have. And that's 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 how you can be unique. That's the only way you can be unique because nobody has your perspective. Nobody has your eyes. Nobody has your body. So do it.
1: Can you give me a practical tip? What if I just want to teach myself how to be a better dancer at home or when I go out and when I have fun? How can I teach myself to be a better dancer?
0: Uh, Remove shame. Throw shame out of the window. If you look silly... Oh, embrace it. If you look stupid, embrace it. And if people start laughing at you, tell them, I don't care. Because that's the biggest fear of most everyone. To look stupid. To look silly. But for me, it's what you embrace. And you'll find yourself getting better because the freedom comes. And dancing is better when there's freedom in the mind and in the body. When there's fear where there's uh, this uh, sense na baka ako, the, mod- the body recognizes it. So your muscles contract, your brain contracts, and there's no space to move. And movement happens when the muscles expand and contract. So if you want that to happen, freedom has to be there. I guess... Forgiving yourself is also a good lesson to learn, knowing when to forgive yourself. And I, I, I started practicing yoga again. And what I love about the practice, like today, I managed to do an arm balance that I never even tried before. And I, I was able to do it today. And the nice thing about yoga is you recognize when you can go forward and when you have to hold back. So that's a practice that we have to learn. We have to learn how to accept. Because in life, we're in society, we're so trained to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And that's the only barometer of success. If you don't move forward, people will look down on you. You're not worthy of anything. But what I'm learning now is to accept sometimes where you are. If you need to pause and not do something, that's okay. If I don't do the arm balance a day, it's okay. Okay, I shouldn't berate myself. If I do it, then I celebrate it. You celebrate it either way. So that's, that's a lesson. Shocks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving forward because I talked about celebration. And I've been faced with situations now where people, you have to let go of some people. And the hard part in society is that we're always celebrating birth but we never celebrate death or decay. And I discovered Wabi Sabi a few years back from Japan, which is the philosophy of of holding everything in equanimity. So all things are equal. So birth, growth, decay, and death are equal. And it's your cycle. But we hold on to birth and growth. And then when we have to decay and we have to to die we fight so hard I mean I'm not saying don't fight I mean we fight to live we have to keep fighting to live but we have to celebrate also the fact that our life cycles are over and I'm seeing people really like having a hard time deal with things and I'm not saying I'm correct I'm not saying I'm wrong I'm just saying that this might be another way of looking at life and Yeah, looking at everything in equanimity. So I will celebrate birth, I will celebrate growth, I will celebrate decay, and I will celebrate death. And it makes life easier to deal with. Of course, it's still not easy. (laughs) Ha ha.
1: Thanks for listening to The Stunner. I would love to hear from you as well, so please leave a message on anchor.fm slash Stunner, or connect with me at Stunner Talk on all social media platforms. Talk to you soon.